I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I'm Dr. Nityanandam. Professor of Geospatial Technology at Takshashila Institution. Today we are going to have a podcast on geospatial technology, a game changer for revolutionizing Indian public health planning. With me, Mr. Sanjay Sinha is here, who is a senior consultant with the Department of Real-Time Governance, also called as RTGS, with the government of Andhra Pradesh. He has vast experience on the topic and he also previously set up the location analytics practice of Boston Consulting Group in Asia-Pacific. Sanjayji, welcome to this podcast. Thank you, Dr. Nathya. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, and I really look forward to our conversation and this podcast. Thank you. So a lot of people would think, uh, what is required in public health results planning and delivery system? Can you throw some light on it? Let's just take the first case. You meet with an unfortunate accident. You need to be rushed to a hospital. So in the medical community, there is something called the golden hour, where within the treatment that is given, the first hour of the accident taking place is the most critical in terms of the final outcome. So what does that mean practically for the person who was unfortunately met with an accident? Is that you notify the hospital or the medical administration, and an ambulance is dispatched to you. They pick you up and they take you to the nearest facility. All that has to take place within 60 minutes. So when you talk about location, distance, time, so it basically becomes location analytics or what we traditionally call GIS, Geographical Information Systems, which will give you these kinds of answers. Okay. So, uh, do we have such planning in the public health system right now, or uh, do we need to, uh, you know, look into, relook into it in an Indian context? Unfortunately, at this present moment in India, we do not have such kind of planning. The reason for it is, if you deep dive in, our entire public health system is running out of the IPHS norms. Okay, which is basically designed for administrative-based ease of supply rather than a citizen-based need assessment. So when I say administrative ease of supply, what do I mean? So the government will say, I will have a district hospital in every district. I will have a smaller hospital in every sub-district. I will have a community health center for, let's say, every 20,000 population. So what they will actually do is, if they take a district and it has got a population of, let's say, 160,000, they will divide it by 20, and then they will say, I have so many PhDs, therefore I meet the norm. But in reality, this could be next to each other, or like all clustered in one area, and they really don't serve anybody. So what has happened is, current norms are actually developed 
in uh, way back in the 50s, actually, and they really have not taken into account any newer technologies and processes that are available to us. Okay. So this uh, remembers me, some of my old research on this topic, when I was doing the same analytics uh, kind of research uh, 10 years before, I was shocked to see the the location of primary health centers and sub-centers. Sometimes it is is very close to the villages, but it is not accessible. It is divided by a forest, divided by another feature. So given the context, what is a, uh, but I was very shocked to see these primary health centers and sub-centers that sometimes are dilapidated and not in good condition. So, given your expertise and experience on this field, what is the situation of uh, primary health centers and up-centers in India at present? Health is a state subject. So, therefore, the condition of the PHCs, the primary health center or the sub-center, will be driven a large degree by the state policy. Now, we all agree that we are short of resources. But some of the blame for shortage of resources also lies with the way the planning systems are designed. They are based on the census. Now, the 2011 census came out in 2014. That was when it was published. Now, you got to give a couple of years for analysts to process and digest the data and put it into the document. So any norms that you have, let's say, published before 2016 is not using the 2011 census. So right now, all our allocation of resources is based on the 2001 census. So the 2001 census is telling you that there are only, let's say, 3,000 people who will be served by that PHC or a health facility. But in reality, between 2001 and now, population has tripled. But our all our formulas and allocations, including number of doctors, number of medical staff, number of medical amount of medical supplies, is all based on a very old 2001 census data. That is also one of the major issues why, as you pointed out, these facilities look very pathetic. So I would also would like to point out that generally the funding situation is 60% central government and 40% state government. Certain states will actually put in more money on their side beyond what the revenue share, what the cost share is, the 60-40 share in order to make improvements. But the states are actually bound to follow the IPHS norms because that is what their 60% of their funding comes from. So they really cannot innovate and uh, you know go beyond what these old IPHS norms as put down by Ministry of Health and Family Welfare literally dictate on the states. Okay. So how can uh, we use geospatial technology to make uh, public health system planning better? Oh. Right now, the current system does not have a concept of catchment and distances, okay? So to give you an example, the old primary healthcare system will say, if I have a town of X 1 lakh population, I will give it, or let's say, not 1 lakh, let's just come up with a number, like an X amount, then I will give you 100 beds. If you have another town which is slightly larger, and another formula is there, I'll give you 200 beds or a town might get 50 beds. Completely does not take into account all the neighboring towns around it. So one analysis was done for a particular district in Haryana where it was found that a 50-bedded hospital 
is serving 278,000 people, whereas a 100-bedded hospital is only serving 195,000. That's literally, you know, half of the size. No, what? Because the 50-bedded hospital at 278 catchment is based on a small town, but there are lots of uh, towns near it. So that is also a creating a problem. So states can still try to understand the demand for their services by using geospatial technologies like catchment. You know, traditional GIS people understand the concept of a rainfall catchment area. It's exactly the same thing. These are called center of gravity models. And GIS tools are available to figure out how people will gravitate towards a particular hospital. Okay. So uh, I believe uh, in addition to the analytics, these uh, tools can also bring transparency in uh, the public health planning system, right? It can show people about the real-time status. Possibly it can also, you know, bring more transparency on the government policies and also government facilities which are created. What do you think about Transparency has come about. There is no question about it. So there is something called HMIS, Health Management Information System, which is pretty much every health facility subscribes to it. Data is available in the sense that it's updated every day, practically states and all have to update it every month. Reports do get published that are available at summary level and even right down to the PHC level. It is all available for uh, analysis for any member of the public. The government has also made things like NFHS, National Family Health Survey. All the raw data has been, uh, of course, stripping out privacy issues, have been all made public. And that way, the government has to be commended that they are not hiding anything. They are trying to make as much data real time as it's feasible. I do see that the data is pretty much published within a 45-day lag, which is pretty, pretty good. Okay. Stay tuned to All Things Policy. We'll be right back after a short commercial break. With the help of GIS, possibly the data can be translated uh, in a better form where a common people can and also understand. So, yes. What happens is when you look at a table by itself, you cannot see the relationships as to which town is next to another town. You'll be able to see the patterns only when you deep dive. So, for example, if I create a map and next to each town, I put a bar next to it and I show the number of women that are registered as pregnant women and the number of actual births that take place. What we are finding is that women are registered, they lived at a certain place, but about 80 to 90% of the births are taking place at the district headquarters. So only when you put it on a map will you be able to see the stark disparities, which is not available when you look at it in standard you know, tables and things like that. Map also allows you to zoom in at a much faster level. You know, For example, if you create extra regular printed tables, you will have it at the state level, then multiple districts, within a district, sub-district, then down to CHC. Whereas on a map, if you, especially if you make it a web map, and there are a lot of open source as well as commercial software that's available, where one is very easily able to set up analytics and, you know, 
beautifully color code each particular PHC or CHCR facility. The reason I am stressing on a facility is telling the government that you have a problem is not enough. Trust me, the government people know there is, they know that they have a particular problem in a specific area. What they need is not only data, not only data can turn into information. The information needs to be turned into actionable intelligence. It is something a district collector or the commissioner of health can actually take action on. If you can give him very specific information, sir, in this particular CHC, things are going very well. In this particular place, things are not going well. He can then take action. Telling him that a district is underperforming doesn't help him. He really doesn't know. He doesn't have the next, the detail to act on. So what are the modern developments in the public health system that we can expect in next few years, especially in the rural areas? So what has happened is the government has understood the power of GIS. So some of the newest policy documents actually, let me rephrase, the old system used a radius. So they would actually take a particular facility and with a compass draw, let's say a five kilometer radius on it. And then they would count all the villages and their population within that five kilometer radius. Now, that is literally bordering on the ridiculous because there could be two valleys between my home and my PHC and it might be only three kilometers away. But if I were to walk, it might take me 15 kilometers because I have to follow the road. So the government documents are saying that we should look into walking along the road type distances. Right now, it's just at the policy level. I have yet to see any, any state health department or even the central government do this in any reasonable manner. So uh, what is your uh, view on the new method of public health systems includes uh, medical ATMs, telemedicines and all this in rural uh, part of India? Telemedicine is a fairly expensive proposition if you really start looking at it deeply. First of all, the more rural you are, we don't even have stable internet connection. In a lot, the worst health indicators are in the tribal areas. In tribal areas, forget about 4G signal. You can't even get a single, you know, normal voice call cannot be placed. So telemedicine is actually a pipe dream for pretty much all the tribal areas of India. So we do have to take that into account. Telemedicine only solves a very small part of the problem. Because once you have telemedicine, then samples have to be drawn. The samples have to be sent for testing. Where is the supply chain for that? Our logistic, even medical supply, I'm you know, diverting onto the area of supply chain and logistics. Our logistics is just based on, you know, sent to the district headquarters, sent there, sent there, wherever. You know, there is no, no planning has ever been done on the basis of there are no regional depots. It's everything from the state capital to the district because the states do not have the ability to let's say, optimize a warehouse. And that has created problems because medical supplies which are going to the PHCs have a short shelf life and now, uh, you know, even the lab samples and all that have to be said. Sometimes they need to be processed within 24 or 36 hours. So that part is also missing. So, you know, telemedicine, I'm being a pessimist, is being sold as a solution to everything. But it needs a huge supporting ecosystem 
for it to thrive well, which unfortunately we do not have in India right now. In addition to the GIS part of geospatial technology, what are the other components do you think may be useful in the whole uh, public health planning system? One thing that has been gone pretty well in India is the concept of these emergency services where ambulances will come and pick you up in case of an accident. They're called 104 or 108 numbers are there. And they vary, the, the numbers change by different states. This is a huge difference because I actually left India in 1988, right after my graduation. And that time, there was no such concept. It just simply didn't exist. You had to make your own way to the hospital in case uh, something happened to you. Now, that has been completely turned around where the common citizen calls it and it's all state-funded. So this is a major innovation uh, that has taken place, which could definitely benefit from uh, location analytics, you know, uh, optimizing the fleet, trying to place them at certain places, reposition them, you know, where you're the, the typical, what NHAI highway people call the black spot analysis. Uh, you can have a, do a similar analysis for the health sector also. I believe this is uh, without the help of uh, GPS and uh, detailed remote sensing data sets at certain locations. This would have been not possible right? with all these advent and technologies we could enjoy. A comprehensive geospatial solution for many of the field, including public health planning. Right? Yes, I completely agree with you. One good thing is all public vehicles, which includes um, by definition, has a device called BIS-140. That's just a standard, which has a GPS device built in it. And there are two SIM cards in it. So if one network fails, it'll take over the other network. And you are, they are supposed to transmit real-time their location. So ideally, if all the buses, taxis, you know, you might have heard of how Ola Uber has set up panic buttons. So basically, it works off the BIS-140 standard which calls for GIS devices in every public vehicle. So if all these devices have GPS in them, then they can be easily put in. And as you correctly mentioned, data becomes a problem. Another great innovation that has been done by PMGSY, which is Pradhan Mantri Gramin Sadak Yojana, they have released in public domain entire road, road network of every state. Also, the government has another new program called Gati Shakti, which is basically a logistics platform, which is getting more and more data into a common platform. So data has become a lot more available now for this kind of analysis, which was not there previously. Thank you. And would you like to share some real, real life examples? This was an actual case that happened in Madhya Pradesh. Okay. So I was meeting a district collector. And uh, we were talking about mobile medical units. And the question was, how are you deploying them? And then he just laughed and he said, yeah, whoever asks for it, I give it to them. And, you know, he says, and the gentleman, if you have been to a district collector, if you sit next to him for a day, you will realize how hard they work, how overworked they are, and how under-resourced they are. So, and it's not, Sometimes it's not even the shortage of funds. This district collector said that because I'm in a backward area, he has four mobile medical units donated by the private sector to him. And he said all of them are parked outside the local hospital. So then I 
sort of did an analysis and I said, you know, look, you can deploy it in this route, you know, you can service each of these BHCs and, you know. So again, this was a one-off private sort of initiative of mine and this particular individual was very keen on it. So it felt good to be able to use these real-time solutions. And uh, unfortunately, you know, there's only so much uh, pro bono work the GIS community can do in, in reaching out to them. There really needs to be a systematic relook at, you know, the push should come from outside the health ministry because they are very comfortable in their own ways. So like a PMO or NITI-IO would be a perfect uh, agency to look at, you know, how things need to change. So thank you, uh, Mr. Sanjay, for sharing all this valuable information and uh, an interesting uh, chat we had today. And uh, I really look forward to have further discussions with you on other podcasts. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and uh, you know, look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank, thank you. you. If the contents of this podcast piqued your interest in geospatial technology, the Takshashila Institution's Geospatial Research Program has come out with a brand new newsletter called the Takshashila Geospatial Bulletin. The Geospatial Bulletin is a monthly dispatch of geospatial insights for India's strategic affairs. The link to the newsletter is in the show notes. Do check it out, subscribe and share your feedback. Thank you. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.